Naveen Morad is an educator, mother, and a proud New Yorker with a lifelong passion for words. An instructional designer, she creates online learning programs to support social entrepreneurs and those working in the field of social impact. Naveen has been working in education for the past 17 years, beginning as a New York City public middle school teacher. She received her bachelor's degree in English literature from SUNY Binghamton, and her master's degree in teaching English from Teachers College, Columbia University. She lives in Brooklyn, New York City, with her seven-year-old son and his never-ending collection of Pokemon cards. I'm Jessica, and this is Duct Tape Rocket Ship. Changing how parents help out our public schools. In this episode, Naveen talks about her career after six years in the public school system, what it means paying it forward, and her answers to the question, "What is school for?" We talk about the feeling of burnout because of the systemic disparity. So, what happened next? I ended up needing to. I got to a point where it was my my duty actually to leave the classroom once I no longer felt like I was my best self there. I felt like it was legitimately a disservice to the students to be one of those teachers who is in the classroom every day because. They can be, but they don't want to be necessarily, or they don't feel invigorated or energized by it. I actually felt that that was. There are other jobs where maybe I would not feel as bad about just coming to my job every day and not loving it or being really into it. But when you're talking about teaching students, I think you you can't do that. You can't just be in the class. It, it, so I, I stepped down from a tenured position, which is like the craziest thing I've ever done, and was really scary.、Um, but I learned a tremendous amount in six years it, teaching middle school English and humanities. So I had to teach social studies too. Yeah, I have a question about. I'm on the side. I'm all teared up, listening to your story. Thank you for your service, first of all. I was wondering at the time you said you were actually at the point of burnt out. Did you feel like you were、um, lonely by yourself, going against the current? Yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like going against the current or trying to push a mountain by yourself every day. And after a while, you get so tired. And I wasn't the only teacher that was tired. Like I talked to my colleagues and. You know, I really think, for me, it was a combination also of my personality. I tend to absorb things emotionally and take things very much to heart, and I had trouble sort of separating or、um, drawing boundaries for myself in a way that would make staying in the classroom in that circumstance、um, sustainable. I really. Like honor, recognize, and thank all of the teachers who who do that every day. It is. I've had a few different jobs since then in education, but not in the classroom, and that was the hardest job I've ever had.、Mm. And teachers 
most teachers are really good teachers because most people become teachers not because they want summer vacation, right? That's the joke. I hope most people understand now. I hope we've moved past that. The teachers generally become teachers because they really believe in the power of education. Mm-hmm. And when you do something because you really believe in it, you work harder. But, you know, we have to think about making it sustainable for teachers as well. Yeah. Um, not only are they underpaid, but the, the amount of work you do, it's around the clock. You're working on weekends, you're grading papers, you're lesson planning, you know, you're after school working with students, like offering extra help. You're working way beyond that. Is it fair to say that because of your personal experience, this one teacher changed your life, that you want to do the same thing for your students? That's what I went into it thinking. It really, again, I went into my master's and I went into teaching because literally the thought in my head was if I can pass on the gift rather that I really truly felt I was given by this high school English teacher. I, I said to myself, if I could do for one single student in my career, I'd be lucky enough to do for one single student in my career what my teacher, what my high school English teacher did for me. That alone is changing the world because you do change the world. It's an entire world that's changed, even if it's for one student. The thing is you don't get to really know necessarily if you've changed a student's life, right? They don't come back and say, you know, you changed my life. Maybe in high school, in college, perhaps. And of course you hear stories popping up like mine of other people talking about the incredible teachers that changed their lives. But I mean, I have no way of knowing. And Maybe I had a positive impact. I don't know that I did anywhere near the amount of magic that sort of happened to me in my high school experience with English. But I went in thinking if I can do that for one student, that will be worth everything. Yeah. And like, I kind of wish I had the stamina or like something was different that I could have kept doing it. Because when I left the classroom, it was really scary because I thought I was going to be a teacher for my career. Like I went straight from undergrad to grad school to the classroom. I was like a very linear and planned person. And I thought I was going to be a classroom teacher. So that was a scary moment because it's like, well, now what? But again, like I, I, I felt it was my duty when I was burnt out to step out of the classroom. It wasn't going to be fair to the kids and I could not, I could not do that to children. Yeah. Wow. That's intense. Yeah, I'm a pretty intense person. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love about you. (laughs) That was an intense story. Before we move on, let me share this. The adult program that you created has changed my life and changed my world. I just want to make sure to tell you that. It's so great to hear that. I can't really take credit for it, though, because, you know, it's based on someone else's work. But sure, I helped design the learning experience with that content. It was really also, I, it was a team effort. There, it's like the, my colleagues. Yeah. I, I really have to credit everyone. It's a team of people. But it, it's great to hear that a course, in period, whether it's related to me or not, it is, uh, had, could have an impact in changing someone's life like that. Yeah. So you marched on and you're changing the world. I, I don't think I know how to do anything that's not meaningful in my life. Like I kind of wish <laughs> I could sometimes. But I'm just like, everything has to have purpose and value and meaning. And 
I have to believe in it and I have to really believe in it. That's why I couldn't just say like, oh, I'm just going to like, you know, get an MBA and work a bank job and make a million dollars, right? Not that I wouldn't love to be wealthy because of some of the things that might afford me, but more like I just can't do something just for money. Like, and I'm not passionate about business, <laughs> or at least in the sense of doing that job. I make sure I am doing something that I think is meaningful. And I just cross my fingers and hope it's helping people. <laughs> I try my best. You are a lovely person, Naveen. Oh, thanks. It is nice to hear that. Always. It's always nice to hear that. We need to tell, we meaning people need to tell each other that more. So what happened next after you left the classroom? So after I left the classroom, I, it is really hard to career transition if you have just been a classroom teacher. People just see you as a classroom teacher. There are so many transferable skills that I wish businesses and organizations would realize. I wish they would hire more teachers. Teachers are the ultimate project managers, the ultimate in communications. I mean, someone once said something to me, which really, I don't remember who said it or when, but it always stuck with me. They said they were like in sales or something. And they said, I always tell people, you want a good salesperson, hire a teacher. Because every day their job is standing in front of a room of people and trying to sell them something that they don't want. <laughs> <laughs> and that, depending on the students and the age, they're not listening to you and they're misbehaving and they're in fact calling out. So like instead of being in a boardroom and giving a, let's say a pitch to at least adults who will sit there and listen to you, you're in a classroom delivering a lesson that students may or may not be interested in, depending on if the lesson, their subject, et cetera, the day. And they also might, you know, call out, interrupt you, make a joke like that. If you want to know someone who can like really capture attention and communicate, you should hire a teacher. And they manage a million projects and, and their relationship management with the students and with other teachers and administration and the parents. I mean, teachers are just like this multi-tool. And I've spoken to other teachers in my lifetime who stayed in the system longer and then, you know, wanted to leave mostly because of burnout and have reached out to me saying, like, how did you do it? And I said, look, I got really lucky. And I did get really lucky, actually, that to be hired by a, a nonprofit that was just starting up and needed someone to write a curriculum that was going to be delivered online for middle school age students around the world sort of a global awareness curriculum on a online learning platform, but for students, and it would take place in the school, in the school day. So I'd be working with the teachers too, developing the curriculum for the students, working with the teachers. Anyway, I was the second hire, helped them launch the inaugural program and was there for five years. And I got really lucky that I got that, that the person who interviewed me at the time selected me. And I remember speaking with conviction being like, I absolutely can do this in the interview, but on my, in the inside being like, I really don't know, but, I am going <laughs> to, but I'm going to try my best. And once I had, then once I had experience outside of the classroom, it made it easier for other employers to consider my candidacy. But it's that first step. You can teach someone how to use Excel or how to use a learning platform or something technical like that. That's not as important as like what they come with in terms of character, competence, and what they're able and capable of doing. And I think too many companies just look at like, what have you done instead of what can you do? 
Do you think that might be the reason that stops the teachers from seeking other opportunities? Well, first of all, I think teaching is one of the most noble professions. So it's not like I want teachers to seek other opportunities. But if it's not a right fit or if the teacher does need to make a change, I just know that it's hard. It's hard to, unless you're talking about just switching schools or something like that, it's hard to transition from a job outside the classroom unless you just like want to become an administrator or something that's more linear. But I think for every teacher who loves what they're doing, and it is sustainable for them. Teachers are heroes. They truly are. What make you say that? I remember the, the job I got after. Although they had really high expectations, was way easier than teaching. I got to go sit in an office. You know, I wrote curriculum. I had phone calls with adults. No one was rude or talking over me. I wasn't like having to put on a performance act to get my... Uh, point across, you know, I wasn't doing it for seven hours a day, like essentially on a stage, you know, capturing and captivating your students so that you can teach them, right? It was so much less exhausting. I was still really working on an education program that I believed in. So I did not feel like I had quote unquote sold out or anything to that nature. And then I've continued to work in, I would say like online education programs and for students, also for teachers, and also for adult learners. I think the most rewarding thing still is, even though now I work in the online space, like hearing from someone like you or reading a comment on a course survey saying this course was amazing or something like people will say, it changed my life. It made me realize that, that this is what I want, like some big realization or aha moment they had. Yeah, it sounds like you find your purpose. That's what gives me the goosebumps, right? Like, I'm so happy. I'm always clueless about how we did this. Like, you know, because I feel like I didn't do anything that magical for you to feel so inspired. But I'm so happy that that's what you took out of it. That's what I've been doing. That's what I continue to do, work in uh, online education. That's awesome. Thank you for all the hard work. I'm the one who benefited from your hard work, your awesome work. Everything is like paying it forward, right? I went into education to pay it forward. That's beautiful. I would love to hear what do you think about your kids' school? So ironically, so I love New York City. I, I've always loved New York City. As a teenager, I came into New York City all the time when I was old enough to walk around in the day. I, I, I was drawn to the city. Yeah. For context, I have two siblings. My siblings now families. They all still live in Long Island. I'm the one who like they treat who like moved to Australia because I moved over no water, just to Brooklyn, <laughs> just to New York City. But, but I live in the city, which is like a different world than the suburbs. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, part of what I love about New York City, besides that it's like the greatest city in the world, and there is everything here, and it's so diverse. When I had a child, I chose to stay and, and want to be in New York City because I want him to be exposed to diversity in a way that I was not in the suburb I grew up. In. But ironically, you know, I, I knew that I was not going to be sending him to a private school. So I, I essentially did what my parents did, except in New York City. I 
found an apartment in a neighborhood where they have a quote unquote good public school. Mm. And what I mean by that is like people rate it highly. Students generally go on, you know, do well. I mean, if you look at reports of the school, it's just generally one that's sought after. And so for that reason, however, rents and prices to live in this neighborhood are elevated because people want their children to go to that school. And at least for the elementary school, you have to be in zone, meaning you have to live in a certain neighborhood. And those neighborhoods that are in zone for this good school are more expensive than other neighborhoods. So I did what my parents did. I didn't get the nicest apartment I could get. I got the apartment I could get that would allow my son access to this public school. And I find myself thinking like, what did I really do here? Am I repeating my whole childhood? Not that my parents did anything wrong, but I essentially did the same thing. But the reality of the situation is I did it in the best interests of my son. I knew that like that the public school he attends is very well resourced. It's a public school. It's not well resourced because it gets extra money from the city compared to other schools. It is because the families of the students who go there are fortunate enough to be able to contribute to a PTA and provide so much more for the school and the students. And so, therefore, the school is more resourced and can offer more things to the students, like, period. And it attracts teachers, really good teachers, because those teachers want to work there because they'll have more that they can use to help the students. It's unfair. I mean, during COVID, I actually got really upset at one point because while schools were closed, our PTA was going to reopen hybrid in New York, sort of like half capacity. There were there are regulations about and this is a big school and it was crowded. And so the school essentially said they needed different furniture in order to follow the regulations of spacing the children for safety reasons. And so the PTA did fundraising and made that happen. And instead of being like, awesome, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm certainly thankful for everyone who worked on making that happen. I'm thankful my son got to go to school part-time during this pandemic. But I thought about all of the other schools in New York City who did not have the privilege. It wouldn't even be an option to go to the parents to ask them to fund new furniture for the school so that they could reopen not because the parents are unwilling or don't believe in education but because the parents don't have the means they just they frankly don't and that's so because the parents don't have the means their their kids don't schools don't get to reopen that makes no sense to me so I was I was kind of really angry, even though I was in a situation where my son was benefiting. It was just I I I knew the injustice, um, but at the same time, what do you do? Yeah, it's it's miles and miles apart from the New York City public schools I taught in, simply because of the neighborhood, I believe, and therefore the resources, and then the reputation, and then. These are all New York City public schools, but they they can look so different and the experience is so different. And in my opinion, unfortunately, that is the way it's currently working. Yeah, I hear you. So it ends up coming down to like, in many cases, not all. There are some charter schools and independent schools that are working to try to 
change that so that like quality education is not just given as a privilege to students whose parents are more resourced because that's just not fair. There are a lot of, and I'm sure there's a lot more than I even know going on to do that. But yeah, I just know my son is really lucky to go to this school and I did what I could to live where he could go to this school. Yeah, I hear you. That's a dilemma that most of the parents are actually facing when they have a choice, right? So the question, what is a school for? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there a lot. I always have a lot of thoughts, so he'll have to piece this together. But so a school is for providing students with the tools which become keys that they need so that they can open whatever doors they want to open in their future. And what I mean by that is I became an English teacher and then I taught literacy, like reading and writing skills in the sixth grade. Because in my mind, even if my student was interested in the maths or science or business, if it was fundamental that they understand how to write and they they needed to know how to write and read because that is like the multi-tool key that allows them to then go pick up that science textbook and read it and understand it or write that college essay to get them into that degree program or write that job application, honestly, to get them the interview. So a, a school is for giving students tools those tools become keys that allow them to pursue what they want, wish to pursue in their life. If you know, that's the hope. And in, in addition to that, this is a life living in New York, everybody. The random sirens and traffic is, is part of the ambiance. We pay premium price here for it is the constant noise. In addition to providing the students, I think, with the skills that become the keys that allow them to open the doors to pursue their passions and what they want to do in their life. I also think a school is or should be providing students with the confidence to use that key and open those doors. Mm. So I love that. Hearkening back. So that to me, when I talk about confidence, I'm talking about now like social, emotional learning and support. And one of the greatest things that came out of my high school college experience, I did not grow up I'm not growing up yet, so it's the verdict is still out. But I did not grow up. I'm not a published poet. That is not how I make my living. You know, I may debut at age 80. That's like my theory. However, the greatest gift was not that I was a poet or a great writer or a great short story writer. The reason my high school teacher changed my life was he gave me tremendous confidence in myself. Not that I'm walking around thinking I'm the greatest thing. I'm not. But he gave a kid who really just thought she was nothing special and there was nothing special about her and was really shy and insecure about a lot of things. And flat out told her and reinforced that she had a a gift that not everyone had and that she had a talent that was actually really special. And so that was words, right? Words were my special gift. And 
I've used them my whole life. Frankly, I haven't had a, I'm waiting for, for, for the New Yorker to call me and ask me to submit a poem for publication. But until that happens, you know, I, I've used my words not by publishing poetry and fiction, but in, in a lot of other ways, it has been my life and how I've made meaning of my life and how I've made a living. And it words are still my favorite thing to play with. Like they're my favorite tool and I love writing and editing things. And so in short, like you don't feel goosebumps 20 years later I don't, I wouldn't say my English teacher changed my life because I became a poet because that did not happen or because he told me I was a poet, which is all subjective. Cause what does that mean? Um, <laughs> when you're a teenager, he truly instilled a bel- self-confidence and he, he really had this lasting effect of instilling in me that the belief and not only the thought, but I really intrinsically became to believe that I had a gift and I had something special. And that has stayed with me for my entire life and will stay with me for my entire life. And I think there, I got lucky. I also think there are a lot of fantastic teachers out there who are doing the same thing every day for millions of other students. Yeah. It's almost like your teacher found that superpower in you that nobody else maybe identified or discovered it before. That discovery is very true because he believed in you. And it also speaks the truth in your heart. Yeah, it's right. He he was able to show me something that I already had. Yeah. So it was less that he gave me something. He sh- He just, he showed me something. He's like, look what you have. And I was like, I didn't even know this was anything special. I thought this was just a rock. And he's like, this is not a rock. This is a diamond. Did you realize you had a, I'm using a metaphor here. Did you realize you had a diamond? And I was like, I do. And then I looked at it and I was like, I do. Wow. I really do. And it changed everything for me because I saw myself differently. Mm. And it was something that could never be taken away from me. Right? Like that was the most precious thing of all. Like, yeah. When someone shows you that you have something and it is not a physical thing and it's not a tangible thing, it's not even a teachable thing. It's just intrinsically part of who you are. Yeah. Like what more value could you, there's nothing more valuable than that. Like no one can take words away from me. I hope that I know of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it, was, it was the greatest gift that will remain throughout time. I would hope that school at some point, have them open their hand and look at the rock they think they're holding and realize that that rock is not a rock. It's a diamond or it's a space asteroid or it's a, I don't know, a star that they're holding. Um, And for that moment where the student goes, oh, wow, it really is. And it's really me. And, And just seeing, recognizing whatever it is inside them that they're really great about. And it doesn't have to be like you're really good at math or you're really good at writing. It could be you're an incredible listener or you are so compassionate or you are a wonderful leader. Like characters, character skills, I think, 
should be recognized and elevated just as much as any sort of academic, like, competence or facility in school and in life, I think, character, skills. Schools are here to show children things, right? To teach them and show them things so they can then go and pursue their passion. That is the best case scenario, I think. Thank you. This is the first time I teared up in the interview, and I teared up twice. Thank you. I was moved. That's the thing about it. Like, that is the thing about a really good education experience. I was lucky enough to experience. I don't know that everyone gets as lucky as I did. I, I hope through self-discovery or in collaboration with someone else or in some circumstance that everyone gets a moment that is life-changing. Thank you for beautiful words, Naveen. Thanks, Jessica. It's a pleasure speaking. And let me thank one more. I just, I, I want to make sure to thank, again, like every single teacher listening. Whether you agree or disagree with the things I said, um, I just want to let you know that I think I want to reiterate that being a teacher is one of the hardest jobs in the world. It is one of the most honorable jobs in the world that is not recognized enough. And I left the classroom after six years. I, I really salute and commend every single teacher, whether you're in the classroom or you left. Thank you for what you do and what you've done. Thank you so much, Naveen. I love our conversation. If you are a parent in the public schools and would like to be my guest on the show, I would love to have you. Here's how. Visit my website, jessicazo.com, and submit your request, or follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. <laughs>